This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. It's the Greg Tucker Show. And, uh, Is there anybody yeah. out there? You sure? I, th- I think, well, I've got a little button here that tells us there is 125,000 people listen to us right now. Wow. They're telling us we're on the air, but can you hear us well while we're here on the air? And if not, I'm going to jump up out of my chair and uh, maybe turn the volume up a little bit. Well, all the buttons over here on my side, but don't ask me to do anything. I wouldn't know. We hear perfectly. Very good. Well, I'm glad somebody does. I I guess they've got their uh, hearing aids on this morning over there. You know, most of us at at the radio station are uh, a little bit older than 30. Which is which is hard for anybody to believe, you know. We're 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 kind of like the Peter Pans. We never, never age, and we never grow up. And I love that because people, you know, in in this day and time, you have to have a sense of humor, and you have to be able to live in some of the harshest conditions. And I'm starting to learn. I really am. I'm a kind of. A, a, of course, I enjoy my friends. My friends uh, uh, kind of make my day. Oh, our biggest fan All right. just says the sound is perfect. Isn't that nice? <laughs> you know, uh, I have one listener. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but your biggest listener, I tell you what. Yeah, anybody that loves you like you're loved by that one listener, you never have to worry about anything else the rest of your life. All right. Now, I want to let you know that uh, I got through my birthday okay. You're not through with your birthday yet. No, I've got, I've got one special thing left, and uh, I have looked forward to everything that has gone on. And, and if you're blessed to have as many friends as I have, um, you know, the world can never get that bad. You, you turned 79? Yes. Okay. Why did you share that with everybody? See, I've been telling all of my friends I'm I'm only 39, and and they act like they believe me. Did I say something different? Yes, you did. Oh my. See, I, I'm I'm of the Jack Benny Club, which is which is kind of special. I just waved at Miss Ida, one of my favorite people over here at uh, uh, Adams Place. We've yeah. got a lot of nice people over yeah, here. Yeah, Miss Miss Ida. Is uh, I believe the uh, last surviving graduate of the Tennessee College for Women. I know she graduated in 1946. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, it's been out here at Adams Place probably about 10 years. That's pretty neat. You know who we've got? Uh, you know that, of course. Wednesday is Veterans Day. Of course. And guess who we've got on? Dr. Howard is going to be on mm-hmm. from the university, and Dr. Howard uh, was a uh, uh, one of our heroes during World War II. So that's going to be pretty special. Yeah, it's a special day. Yeah, Miss Miss Orderbody and made sure that she, she's going to make sure that he he is here on on Wednesday. While we're thinking about uh, where we are, Adams Place, I got a nice phone call from what I'm sure is going to be a new friend. Friend Jim Bridges, Jim, if you're listening, uh, we finish up here about 10:15. Come on down, and uh, 
let's have a talk. He's uh, new in the area, mm -hmm. relatively new. Yeah. Uh, less than 10 years. Uh, and uh, indicate to me he wanted to talk about some uh, historic preservation. Wow. And uh, look forward to getting acquainted and seeing just what he's got on his mind. Where's Jim from? I don't know. Jim, where are you from? <laughs> maybe he'll call in. Maybe he'll come on down. But uh, I know he's Are here. you talking to Jim over here in, at, at, at this chair? Uh, yeah, I learned that from uh, uh, that actor who, who did that on TV one time. The actor that did that on TV. Rawhide. Oh, Clint yeah. Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know how old he is, and he is still, he's, going, he's producing another show, a show, and he's going to be starring in it. He's older than 79. Uh, Clint Eastwood is well over 90 years old, <laughs> and, and he still looks good. Well, now you're reminding me I got a letter from a friend who I was not sure was still around because he left the area when he retired. Mm -hmm. uh, 99 years old, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure what prompt... Well, I, he mentioned in the letter that he reads the Rutherford County Historic Society newsletter ah. and was commenting on something I had written that was in the newsletter. I'm talking about Sam Woods. Oh, yeah. Sam Woods is 99 years old. He left the area when he retired and went to Hawaii, apparently got tired of Hawaii, and moved to Melbourne, Florida, and stayed in a community of veterans. Oh, wow. For many years when I got acquainted with him or reacquainted. And then uh, I heard that he had gone to the D.C. area. I can't imagine why. Mm -mm. And uh, now the postmark on the envelope was in Kentucky. So I wrote back to him and told him I want to come up and visit with him. Uh, because he he's got more stories and more uh, inside information. You know, he succeeded his father as a uh, large animal veterinarian here in Rutherford County. Mm -hmm. And, of course, his family goes way, way back in Rutherford County. I remember him telling me one time that his great-grandfather was in the Tennessee legislature in 1861, and his great-grandfather's brother, which I guess would be a great-great-uncle, mm -hmm. was in the legislature at the same time, one in the House and one in the Senate. And both of them voted for letting the question of secession be decided by popular vote, uh, which meant they wanted to just put it out to the citizens mm -hmm. as to whether or not they would want Tennessee to secede. And if I remember correctly, someone call in and correct me, that that's not the way it went. It was done on legislative vote, and the legislature voted to secede. So it was not submitted to the people at that time. Uh, but uh, the Are we going to have to do something different than that, or, or, or would they allow the legislative... Uh, I believe the legal matter was resolved in about 1865 that we had no... We have no right to leave the Union uh, unless you pack your bags and head over the border. And, you know, quite a, quite a, quite a few landowners, previous landowners in the South, mm -hmm. did just that. And, you, again, that's a chapter in uh, American history that is completely neglected. Mm -hmm. But there was a substantial migration out of this area, some, but more the uh, southern, more southern states. And uh, they basically set up colonies of mm -hmm. a sort in Latin America. Uh, some stayed in Mexico, but many of them went all the way down into the South American continent to get away from the aftermath of the Civil War. Argentina was a big draw. Yeah. In some of those little Guay countries, Paraguay, mm -hmm. Uruguay, uh, seemed to be, uh, if not formed at that time, were popular at that time. Uh, back uh, when I first started writing, appearing in the newspaper, Sam helped me with research on several occasions. And one of them, interesting topic if you happen to be a farmer, mm -hmm. uh, was about Johnson grass. 
Uh, was, that line, was that named after Lyndon Bain? It may have been, although it predated him a little bit. Yeah. Probably the family. Mm -hmm. uh, Johnson grass is, of course, an invasive species. But, is uh, it good for cattle? Uh, well, that's a matter of opinion. <laughs> yeah. That's a matter of opinion. Uh, according to another good friend who's left us, Ed Jordan, mm -hmm. uh, Johnson Grass was not here when uh, he was first aware of farming, and he figures it, it came in sometime after 1838. So we did a little research, mm -hmm. and a farmer on uh, your part of the, of the county, out uh, Manchester Pike, mm -hmm. about uh, what would be the 1500 block, that's before it gets to you, I think. Yeah. Uh, read about, about it. About Magnolia Trace, maybe, somewhere. Yeah, he read about it and decided to give it a try and ordered some seed and planted it and uh, planted only about 10 acres mm -hmm. uh, but he bailed it and sold it and it was very popular uh, the cattle seemed to seemed to like it mm -hmm. uh, two problems though it's toxic and the concentration of the i believe it's pronounced prussic acid in the fresh green growing stalks is not a significant concern although it causes some cattle maybe even horses to bloat uh, but if the animals eat the johnson grass after a frost mm -hmm. where the the uh, young top part of it has been killed and wilted the acid becomes concentrated and mm -hmm. can literally kill uh, stock and i uh, ask Sam about, of course, he was practicing, his father practiced from the 1920s up into the 60s, I think, mm -hmm. and uh, Sam practiced probably from uh, right after the World War II uh, on up to, I think he was still practicing in the 80s, uh, by the time he retired. Uh, he remembered uh, one incident where a newcomer to the area bought a farm and brought in a herd from out of the area and apparently the cattle had not been exposed to the Johnson grass at all. And uh, the treatment, if they go down, involves a uh, IV mainlining uh, certain drugs. And uh, Sam was saying he remembered in that occasion he had about 12 to 15 IVs going at the same time trying to save hmm. the man's herd. Uh, and now, now he also remembers that Mr. Haynes, who was the president of the Farm Bureau or the, at the time, literally out with his hoe trying to chop down any sign of the Johnson grass coming up. I've still got some Johnson grass in the pasture, but you can spot it because it grows taller and faster than anything mm -hmm. else. Uh, I have never heard this before. Well, you, didn't, you weren't reading my column back in 2012 because we did write about it. In fact, I can remember the headline was uh, local farmer older than Johnson grass, at least Johnson grass in the area, because Ed remembered it as a child. There was no Johnson grass. And Actually, you were on my show all during that time. may have been. You we were. Have, we may have Ten years. Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing it that long. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Oh, gosh. We were, we were just young back then. Yeah. Well, that, I, I learned about the treatment and the, the toxicity from Sam. And I mentioned in the article that it affected horses as well. And boy, Sam was all over me. He said, no way. He said, never saw a horse that had it. And I said, well, the, the ag agent over at the agricultural department mm -hmm. says that it, and he says, well, he may have that opinion, but I bet he's never given an IV to a horse. I uh, never had to treat it. Uh, Could uh, you imagine a horse like Secretariat that would just eat tons of food every day? Uh, what would happen to him? I don't know. I'm sure Secretariat's diet was carefully controlled, though. Oh, I guarantee you. I wouldn't turn him out in the pasture without knowing exactly what's out there. But You know, I, I have, I'm really proud of myself this weekend. Because I've got Blu-ray and um, on my TV. Blu-ray. Yeah. I don't know him. 
Well, you wouldn't. Mr. Ray. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Uh, you've got little antennas in your house. But, let's see, I, I actually have cable TV. A big uh, antenna. It yeah. must be 20 feet tall. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I have no antennas. And I got this great big old television. And uh, Barry Jones uh, picked it out for me. And, and, and it's huge. But I have the uh, DVD recorder. And it's got all kinds of little buttons to push to get me where I need to be with that one. So while I was watching... Uh, and you know what every button does, right? While I was watching uh, the ball game, UT game, uh, <coughs> Saturday night, uh, well, it was kind of a game. But anyway, the uh, I played with... He, he showed me how to use it while we were watching the game. And I played it over and over and over and over. And now I can utilize it. Isn't it amazing what some of us old folks can do if we spend enough time trying to, uh, you know, relate to all the new gadgets and stuff? Well, that's the key. If we spend enough time. Yeah. Yeah, because it takes a lot longer now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm getting used to being defeated, too. I really am. <laughs> Feeling like a loser? I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't win that. at anything. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Oh, my. I did stumble across another interesting uh, bit of trivia. Mm -hmm. uh, the actual last living Confederate veteran in Cannon County. Ooh. Yeah, we talked about in Rutherford County. Yeah. They lasted up until World War II. Mm -hmm. A fellow named Gray, I thought that was appropriate, Wiley Gray, W-I-L-E-Y was his first name, died in 1930, and he was the last veteran uh, living in Cannon County, a native of Cannon County. Uh, interesting, though, that when he came back from the war, he capitalized on his uh, veteran status. Mm -hmm. Veterans are very popular. Of course, they had to go into hiding until after Reconstruction, but uh, into the 1880s. Yeah. Uh, he got into politics, and over the rest of his life, he served as the county trustee for a number of years, uh, then went to the county court clerk's position, for a number of years and then it uh, looks like he got tired of having to politic he got himself appointed as clerk and master wow. of the chancery court so he served for until his death in 1930 up there be curious whether anybody any of the family the gray family wiley gray still in cannon county now he, when did he pass 1930 1930 yeah so. actually i remember uh I think uh, that there were a couple of, of veterans, or, or the wives of veterans, when when I was uh, uh, still around. I mean, when, uh, I think I really wasn't that old, of course, but I still remember uh, they would have little parades here in Murfreesboro. Well, the United Daughters of the Confederacy, of course, became very active as, as the veterans themselves began mm -hmm. to disappear. Uh, and carried the torch. Uh, but uh, you're right, the last pensioner mm -hmm. uh, on the con the state Confederate pension roll was a woman because, uh, at least for some of the veterans, they also had marital rights. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name, but I could pick it up uh, in this area. Uh, she was a shrewd young lady mm -hmm. and married a fellow something like 60 years older than her and qualified for his pension rights. So she lived quite a, quite a good time after his death uh, on the pension. Well, why did you say shrewd? Because she probably had uh, 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 a lot of, he probably had a lot of things that he offered her, and not just shrewd. They probably loved each other and things like that. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I say the, the raw statistical data suggests that she was pretty shrewd. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, we, we, we misconstrue a lot of things. You know, we, we get kind of callous in our outlook and things like that. And sometimes we we don't judge people correctly, just because you may be young and beautiful and and he's old or whatever, you know. We 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 don't look at it. Uh, we're we're too judgmental of people. 
just like uh, no, I'm not going to say the political. We're thing. not going. We're not going to talk politics. I'm not okay? going to do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You can do it, but be sure you're 50 to 70 years back. Or you know, the thing that bothers me most about this political, particular little situation with the politics is the only people that make me mad are my friends. If they don't go the same way I do, how can I you can't be, understand it. How can you be my friend and disagree? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, reading, I don't know why, but I got into 1930 and was reading uh, news clippings and such from that period over the weekend. And I must say I, I was impressed, not not favorably, but impressed, by the number of uh, gun-related deaths in 1930 in our county, and uh, you know every every edition it seemed like had something involving a shooting and or other violent death, and I thought, well, the population then was so much less percentage-wise, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason I react to it is because people talk about uh, you know how we're so much more violent and and uh, more conflict. I'd have to disagree uh, on a percentage basis. One that caught my eye was a former constable, and what caught my eye is the names are familiar today. I don't know whether family related, but a former constable here in Rutherford County, and back in the the 1920s and before, uh, the constable was a significant law enforcement role. Mm -hmm. uh, his name was Odie Hoover, H-O-O-V-E-R, and he owned uh, farmland and had a number of tenants. And he got into a dispute, apparently one that had continued for some period of time, almost like a feud with one of his tenants whose name was George Kelton, K-E-L-T-O-N. Mm -hmm. uh, may not be related to anybody today, but it's interesting that Hoover and Kelton are familiar names in, in Rutherford County. They got in a dispute over the cotton crop, and you know how the tenant farmers work. They got a percentage, but mm -hmm. they had to do a certain amount of work yeah. to be entitled to it. And... Uh, uh, apparently, on a, this particular day in 1930, uh, if I remember right, it was in the fall, so it would have been harvest time. Uh, the dispute escalated, and Kelton uh, raised his shotgun and fired at uh, his, I guess at that time, his farmer partner, uh, Hoover, and missed. I have no idea. How idol. far apart were I they? Have they? Oh, it even mentions in the article that they were standing rather close because the uh, investigation by uh, the sheriff's department mm -hmm. established that they were very close. Uh, Hoover then stepped behind a tree, pulled his revolver, and emptied his revolver, and uh, Kelton didn't survive. Mm -hmm. So 1930. Uh, and then flipping forward, I see where uh, Hoover was, I believe it correct, Hoover got off. He was charged with first-degree murder, but uh, was uh, eventually acquitted on a self-defense, mm -hmm. which sounds fairly sound if the bare facts are correct. But he probably, if he had that shotgun and they were anywhere close, he didn't mean to hit him. Yeah, you, you probably to, trying to scare him. Yeah, you have to wonder. Yeah, uh, and and I think that had I been on a jury, that would have bothered me. Yeah, you know, was he really? But uh, the, the legal test, at least, <laughs> I don't know what it was, 1930 here, but is uh, if you have a reasonable expectation of uh, bodily harm mm. uh, or death, then you can act in self-defense. So. Either way, I can see Hoover would argue that I thought, you know, he's going to fire again, so I fired back. Mm -hmm. uh, but interesting. And, uh, you know, in the same papers, I've, another name caught my eye, Henry J. Huggins, H-U-G-G-I-N-S. Mm -hmm. His brother, C.B. Huggins. Oh. 
They were raised in Rutherford County. C.B. Huggins and uh, partner owned and controlled uh, a lot of the ice business and the coal business mm -hmm. and uh, to some extent influenced the entire water supply because it came across their property over there in what's now the, the wetlands. Uh, Henry moved, or now I don't know whether he moved or whether he was there on business, probably he regularly in Memphis on business. He was what we today call uh, confronted by a mugger, mm -hmm. a street uh, crime. Uh, interesting, the term used in the newspaper in the 1930s was a highwayman confronted him. Yeah. And uh, essentially said, uh, give me your wallet, give me your money. And Henry uh, decided not to cooperate and uh, wrestled, fought with the fella. Mm -hmm. uh, I suspect he was trying to get the pistol away from the fella, but it didn't work. He got shot. And I know I've always been advised by law enforcement people that if you're confronted by a mugger with a pistol, you say yes and uh, you know, give up whatever uh, because... Unless you're Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had planned ahead. Yeah. Uh, well, Henry tried to fight the guy off and uh, lost the struggle. Uh, interesting, though, that the uh, further reading, it was not Henry's first time. That's what makes me wonder, what, did he, what was he doing in Memphis? Mm -hmm. Four years before this, which would have been the mid-1920s, 1926, he was confronted by two highwaymen at the same time mm -hmm. and uh, engaged them and drove them off. Now, maybe they didn't have the firepower, the second one did, but Henry was confident he could prevail, apparently, and didn't work second time. Uh, you would make a great mystery writer. You could be a male Agatha Christie. I don't make this stuff up. I'm, I'm picking yeah, it but, up. Yeah, but you add more to it a, a, as you read. Oh yeah, you keep you follow the line. Yeah, you know you know if there's an article about someone getting shot, well somewhere down the line there's going to be either a funeral, mm -hmm. uh, and in those days people frequently would hang on for three four weeks mm -hmm. uh, because you know we didn't know in the 1920s how to treat, for instance, abdominal injuries and things of that sort. Yeah, but it's a slow death, so you can you can follow that way looking for the funeral announcement, uh, or the uh, trial. There's almost always the trial record that'll hit the papers too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can trace it down and learn uh, what was publicly documented. And I say that that way because they're not always correct, but, you know, at least you have some documentation of, of uh, what was going on. As an attorney, do you think that we are so different now that you you get a fair trial either side, either on the, the victim or 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 the the one who who actually commits the murder. Do you think that we look at those things in a logical manner now, as far as what really happened, or do we get caught up in who the particular person was that was murdered and the, the one who actually did the, the, the dastardly deed. I think uh, we're getting political, but... Uh, no, no. I'm... I would say that uh, the complexity of making out the crime is much more today. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and but that cuts the other way. The complexity of the defenses are much more complicated today. Mm -hmm. uh, you frequently find uh, in readings like I enjoy doing the old period, particularly post Civil War, that uh, a uh, brawl in a uh, bar or an alleged brawl in a bar that results in a death was almost always self defense. Mm -hmm. in the eyes of the jury yeah uh, and they don't seem like they really need to parse it down as to who triggered first it was a fight in a bar mm -hmm. if you get then if you go in a bar and you get in a fight and, you know you, you've assumed the risk and uh, I mean, 
I can, uh, there are a number of cases involving, for instance, the city cafe in Murfreesboro where a uh, brawl fight uh, resulted in a shooting and a death or a knifing and a death. And then you see six months later when it finally comes to trial, it's mm -hmm. uh, ruled self-defense almost just by definition. Uh, so certainly things like that have changed. There's more intense requirements for certain elements of the crime and such as that. You know, it makes a difference when uh, people are able to select who, maybe the particular attorney who is known to be better than any others, say, on, uh, on crimes like murder, uh, capital crimes. And I have seen it over the years that um, they can read jurors and they can select jurors, one of the, the ways that they're, they're being so successful, but they have also have to have uh, a, a certain demeanor about them where they are believed by the jury as to what actually happened. And it, it's amazing. Having the best attorney is like having the best doctor who is operating on you for some particular um, life-threatening manner. I think that's true, and it's true. We're not talking just about uh, capital crime trials. Uh, when you sit down to put together a contract mm -hmm. again, you know, if, you, if you're with but the you wrong guys, one. You guys are also, but you're separated into different types of law. Yeah. And each one has a particular expertise. And um, I, I know that you are one of the best attorneys in Washington, D.C., which, uh, bless your heart, uh, the best decision you ever made was getting the heck out of there. Right. I was in one of the better firms in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Uh, I was running hard to keep up most of the time uh, in any event. Now, let's shift away from crime and politics. Oh. Yeah, I, I came across the most interesting thing that I picked up from 1930 mm -hmm. involves Stones River. Mm -hmm. And I would be... Is that Stone River or Stones River? It was in the newspaper, S-T-O-N-E apostrophe S. Okay, I got you. They actually yeah. did it correctly. Yeah. yeah. Because the Uriah's name was not no S on the end. Yeah. Uh, you won't know. Hope I'd be amazed if you knew the specifics. Uh, but I think if you're... Are, are you in qu questioning yeah, gonna, my mentality? No, I'm going. I'm about to, to flatter it. Oh. But I think by the circumstances... Get ready. Here's the first time. Here, <laughs> you should be able to figure some of this out. Yeah, thank you. The largest fish ever taken from the Stones River or its tributaries, and we're talking before the impoundment, Percy Priest. Mm -hmm. uh, and the first clue is it's 19... The early 1930s, mm -hmm. uh, largest fish. What kind of fish would it be? Well, now there are a number of fish that would probably fit into that particular category. One is catfish. You got it. Catfish right. grow to be over 50 pounds around here. All right. Well, and what kind of catfish would it be out of the East Fork? An eastern catfish. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, what kind of catfish? Yeah, channel cat. They're large. They're large. The East Fork, I'll even give you a better hit, hint, mm -hmm. two miles east of Walter Hill. So you're up in some... There's some big fish over there. There's some big fish over there. Mm -hmm. uh, how big was this? You know, the, the, they have the alligator gars in, in that area. Uh, they used to. I had no yeah, they're idea. still there. Are they? Yeah, we, were, we used to be allowed to shoot them Is years right? ago. Yeah. Well, how big do you think this, the, the catfish, I don't think we specified yet, but it's a yellow, what's called a yellow cat. Mm -hmm. Some people call them bull. Kind of cowardly. Yeah. Bullhead, yeah. yellow cats, yeah. uh, mud cats. Yeah. But uh, the article referred to it as a yellow cat. You want to guess at how much it weighed? I'm going to, uh, now, it, is, is, what was it caught on? Chicken guts. Oh. I'm going to say 
40 pounds. Oh, no, 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 no. What? I mean, just a few minutes ago, you, you gave yourself a hint. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I, I've seen over 50-pound uh, catfish here in Rutherford County. Oh, have you? Yeah. Uh, well, I remember down at Pickwick, they hauled out some monsters down there, yeah. but that's the big water. We're talking East Fork. In fact, it was even uh, Drake's Bluff, about two miles east of Walter Hill on that uh -huh. East Fork. Uh you fished over there. Yeah, well, I, I fished around the Readable Mill quite yeah. a bit. Uh, you're you're way low on your forty pounds. Way low? Way low. You know, you know Joe Waylow, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he used to gravel over there. There's been some huge catfish caught by graveling. Uh, this one was actually caught on a line, and it took four men to get that thing out of the water. And Sixty pounds. You're still, still low. Oh yeah. I don't remember a fish over sixty pounds coming over there. In well, you area. weren't around in 1930. Uh, in fact, I believe it was November 1930. 83 pound yellow catfish. Wow. And then was officially declared. In fact, the picture shows a picture, and the four farmers, local boys, uh -huh. uh, the Nickens was two of them, brothers or father and son. Uh, are pictured, and behind them is the uh, what do you call them? the wildlife ranger? Yeah, you know. Uh, was he arresting them for Smoky Bear Head? Yeah. Apparently, they called because they wanted to uh, official uh, designation. And in 1930, it was officially declared by the Game and Fish or whatever service at that time mm -hmm. as the largest fish ever taken uh, from the Stones River water. Uh, now, what about statewide? Didn't, I don't know. That may have been think. the largest ever. No, I think uh, from the Pickwick, if it's still... Uh, yeah, I fished there. Yeah, if it's on the uh, downside of Pickwick, it would be in Tennessee. And they used to keep, haul out 100-pound catfish down there. But as far as Rutherford County and the Stones River waters, 83-pound uh, yellow cat mm -hmm. was in the 1930s the biggest ever taken. And I frankly think if there's anything bigger than that's been caught, we would have we would have heard about it. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. And <laughs> I love it when I do. I can't help it. I'm sorry. Uh, I wonder what they did with the fish. They ate it. I'm sure. You think so? Yeah. That would have fed half of Rutherford County very, back in those days. Very likely, very likely. I have not found what became of the catfish, maybe. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of catfish restaurants around here in Rutherford County. Can you imagine if you were able to get the picture of that particular catfish and put it on the wall? What a draw that would be. <laughs> Yeah, it might might in, uh, influence people that there were local catfish that they were serving. Now, is grappling still illegal? It was illegal there for a long time. And I, I remember a, a friend of mine who, who worked with uh, Wildlife Game. He would... Uh, he would hunt. I'm not going to mention the guy's name. No, I was going to he would he because he there was a... There was clearly a, a uh, what would you say, a leader among among men. Yeah. Uh, when it came to grappling. Yeah. And I remember hearing stories. There's a lot of stories about him. Yeah, he had other talents as well. Yeah, well, he's not with us anymore. He, he's already passed on. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Greg Tucker and all of his tall tales. From NHC's Adams Place. Home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro, offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on-site rehabilitation. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Enjoy gentle joint exercise in the indoor pool, our soda shop, and many planned activities and trips for every taste. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. 
Now's the time to start teaching good financial habits to your children, and we're here to help. Hi, I'm Nancy with Heritage South Community Credit Union. Our chipmunk and squirrel saver accounts help your child learn how to save and reward them for regular deposits or good grades. Our team cash accounts help your team learn to manage their money wisely and have options to build their credit. To learn more, visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, insured by the NCUA. update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. City Hall and City Offices will be closed Wednesday in observance of Veterans Day. City holiday closings include St. Clair Street Senior Center and Rover, the city's public transportation system. For a full list of what will and will not be closed, log on to our website, WGNSRadio.com. At 11 o'clock Wednesday morning, the historic Murfreesboro Square will be decked in red, white, and blue as the backdrop to the city's annual Veterans Day program. It'll be held on the east side of the courthouse and is a rain-or-shine outside events. Those who have health challenges and are concerned with COVID-19, News Radio WGNS will broadcast the ceremony live. Reports from the Rutherford County School System show that the COVID-19 cases among students and faculty at Rocky Fork Elementary School are on the increase. All students have moved to distance learning through Tuesday, November 17th. Rutherford County School Communications Director James Evans told News Radio WGNS that the school is experiencing an increased number of students and staff members who are in quarantine, so the school itself is going on quarantine to allow time for all to get well and not further spread the virus. The campus will also be thoroughly cleaned while closed. A Tennessee man is accused of making Islamic State-connected terrorist threats. Recently unsealed documents showed Jason Solomon Stokes was arrested in August and charged with sending threatening communications across state lines. An FBI investigation determined Stokes allegedly threatened the Clarksville Police Department and the Fort Campbell PX. Stokes allegedly coordinated over social media with operatives he believed to be members of ISIS. News on demand 24-7 at our website, WGNSRadio.com, or follow us on Twitter at WGNSRadio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Bud's Tire Pros makes buying tires simpler, so you can get back to when being on the move was carefree. For a limited time, get up to a $120 reward card after submission when you bundle at least two new qualifying Michelin or BF Goodrich passenger or light truck tires, as well as select Michelin motorcycle, scooter, and bicycle tires. Or get a $120 reward card per purchase of four new Michelin Cross Climate 2 tires. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. Find out more at BudsTireProsTN.com. See store for complete details. Offers valid from November 18, 2020 through December 9, 2020. Void where prohibited. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We see mostly sunny skies here this afternoon, a high around 80 degrees. Winds out of the southeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight's light chance for rain light alone near 60. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 60. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier Six Theater, they're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. They play the music again, don't they? No. Well, welcome back with Greg Tucker, and uh, it's been a very, uh, not only educational show this morning, I really enjoyed it. Because oh, when we start talking about fishing and, and those type things, it, it it gets a lot of attention. Are you going to share with them uh, the name of your uh, grappler? Actually, no, it's not. No, it's not grappling. It may be grappling in other parts of the state, but I was I was straightened out on that by the late uh, Bubba Woodfin, one of my better sources and and very good friends. It's grabbling. You know, you go under the rock. I've and you heard grab, both ways. You but grab that uh, catfish. It, 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 it's a, the readable bunch that did the grappling. It's grappling. 
Now, uh, his city bunch, they probably were saying grabbing. Well, the master of the sport, Bobby Gentry, that you and I were talking about. He was I a, knew you was going to say that. Yeah, he was the grabbler. And uh, I, I think he deserves some name recognition. He was that good. Uh, he had everybody looking after him, trying to find him uh, committing that. We, well, how in the world could that be a crime? Well, it's a, mis uh, because it's a mis it's, it's, misdemeanor, I think. Well, is the, I mean, the, anybody that would uh, a tackle a 50-pound catfish underwater, you got to give him some credit. You don't want to go out and arrest him. Uh, and uh, he was hard to arrest because he could disappear underwater and yeah. come up 50 yards away, I've heard. That's an exaggeration, I'm sure. Uh, I did hear one story of uh, him getting the short end of an e exchange. He was working the bottom somewhere in one of the deeper holes along the Stones River, and he came up right in front of a matron who was fishing with her pole. He came up right in front of her, and she whacked him across the face with the pole uh, for messing up her fishing. And uh, again, that's our kind of gal. Yeah, that's that's a Woodfin story. And again, he just disappeared back under the water and got out of there. I hope Bubba never wrote a book, did he? He never wrote a, about all the interesting things that that he did and and witnessed. I, I I wish he had because I guarantee you it would be the most popular book in Rutherford County. Uh, and he could have hired you to have done it. Yeah, the family probably would sue, but because uh, uh, he had some fascinating experiences. But let me get back to Sam Woods. Sam was a little sensitive about uh, misinformation relating to his profession, mm -hmm. uh, like saying the horses were subject to prussic acid. Uh, remember swine flu? Yeah. It's uh, he. He uh, emailed me in 2009 and said, uh, it's been uh, uh, verified by the Tennessee Veterinary Medical Association that despite the name swine flu, there's no evidence to date that the particular virus originated in pigs or was spread from pigs to people. Hmm. He didn't like somebody you know, uh, slandering pigs, swine. And made that clear. Uh, if I remember correctly, and I should... How could anybody slander the word swine or, or pig? You know, how many people think of pigs in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a special way? Well, no, that would be the defense against the case of slander, that your reputation is such that nothing said could make it uh, any worse. Yeah. Or any better. Uh, but he objected to swine flu. I guess he mm -hmm. would have preferred to call it, well, I don't know, what would you call it, people's flu? I know, they'll make up a name like Pigvid-19 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, what kind of a mask would you wear for something like the swine flu? And and how many houses would you shut down and how many businesses and all that stuff? Was a, or maybe that was in a more logical time. There was one business that was sorely affected, and that was uh, the market for pork. But other than that, I don't recall any particular uh, impact because it never did turn into a, a uh, human uh, epidemic. Only the pigs were dying? Uh, as far as I am, well... As far as I can remember, we were losing some pigs. They destroyed several pig herds, particularly over in uh, China. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe that helped our market for American pork. We were selling it to China. I think uh, we're well beyond my expertise. That would have been a good time to sell it to China. Yeah, yeah. right, when they, when they were hurting. Yeah. Uh, I believe the Woods Farm, which goes back to Sam's grandfather at least, uh, was right about uh, on Bradable Pike, near the, or in, included some of the property that became the Chelsea Apartments, uh, the Kroger That's Shopping. That's Murfreesboro. Yeah, Kroger Shopping Center in yeah. that area, yeah, on the Bradable Turnpike. Because W.H. Woods 
in uh, the 1890s was one of the owners of the Bradable Turnpike. Hmm. It's interesting because I know that uh, uh, James, uh, no, not coming up with the name. I know that uh, at one time it was owned by uh, one individual and he probably was the last owner. Uh, his son was a bondsman that you remember well. You talking about Guy? Guy James. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Guy James' grandfather, I believe, owned the Bradable Turnpike, and Guy shared with me stories that he had heard that uh, one morning his grandfather would sit out on the pike in his horse-drawn carriage mm -hmm. and would inspect the pike all the way down the pike and make notes as to what needed to be done to maintain his investment there. And he'd go all the way to out of the county to Bradable, and he had a relationship in Bradable so he could spend the night there. And then he came back. He, he had a what? A relationship uh -huh. in uh, Bradable. Yeah. Uh, you know, he knew that. You've, you've been pretty candid with all of your remarks and names and everything. Well, the relationship was probably the guy that ran the boarding house there who expected him and uh, put him up. Mm -hmm. What are you thinking? I'm just, my mind is just wide open. Uh, Sam sent me a, I mean, it's nice to have absolute proof. Yeah. But Sam sent me a copy of the Murfreesboro and Bradeville Turnpike Company stock certificate. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, signed by Mr. Haynes, who was the president at the time. Uh, and probably as the same Haynes that was out working the, the, the uh, Johnson grass. Uh, but Mr. Woods bought 40 shares, which was a pretty substantial investment at that mm -hmm. time. Uh, close to $1,000. $1,000 back then? That's a lot of money. Oh, it is a lot of money. Particularly for a farmer out on Bradable Pike. Yeah. But, uh, well, I, that seems to be where all the money seems to be growing out that way anyway. <laughs> uh, Sam's proud of his nephew, too. You know, his nephew, Bob Woods. That's his nephew? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, I know Bob. In fact, uh, I think Bob is the one that gave me the turnpike copy, the share copy that Sam had sent to him with instructions to give this to Greg. Yeah. Does Bob still do his uh, ham, sell as, ham and all that stuff? As far as I know. Uh, That's some of the best I've ever eaten. Yeah. I have not kept up with it over the last 10 years, but I know from the time he got going with it, uh, I think Bob took over the hammery from uh, uh, a relative, if not his father. Mm -hmm. uh, but in 1989, 93, 94, 96, 97, 2001, 5, 6, 8, and 9, he won the Grand Champion Ham Competition oh, at wow. the Tennessee State Fair. And I can remember more recently up at the uh, Wilson County Fair, uh, his ham was almost always the, the prize ham. Have you ever read the, the book, The Hopewell Box? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, see, Bob is the one that gave me that book years oh, ago. And it's one of the more interesting political books I've ever read in my life. Yeah, particularly if you're from or got some connections up in East Nashville. Yeah, uh, which you do. Which I certainly knew some of the names that were yeah. involved in that. And it is it was written by a Tennessean reporter who had a knack for the uh, kind of humorous side Sad story, uh, but it is about the probably the last. Well, maybe not the last, but the next of the last real political machine that controlled Davidson County. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Hopewell box comes from uh, their ability to occasionally add to the numbers uh, in some of the elections. But everybody knew uh, all the players back in those days. Uh, Garner Robinson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were very familiar names in uh, East Nashville, uh, which was very, very uh, 
prominent in the politics back in the 40s or 50s. And those days are gone. Very much. I can remember when they would go through the projects in Nashville and they would go through one door and out the other. They wouldn't even slow down. They'd give them the political stuff and just keep on. It, it was um, it was an amazing time. It really was. It was fascinating to me. And what's interesting is it worked. Yeah. And it worked not only to the advantage of those who were involved in the machine, but it worked for the for the citizens and residents. You know, the community grew, the community prospered. And uh, also there was generally no question as to who you had to talk to or deal with. Uh, I can remember when all that came to an end in the early 70s when they started enacting campaign finance law. Yeah. And uh, the disclosure and filing requirements and such. I'm sure there's still some element of influence involved in politics. But it's of a different nature because of the uh, enforcement and disclosure requirements. We get mad now because news is opinionated. It's it's not real news anymore. But you know, we had the same thing back in those days. You had the the, the Tennessean, who, who were they were extremely liberal. And of course, you, you're one of your best friends was was the owner of the Tennessean back in those days. And then um, they had the Banner, which is it was very conservative, and even the comic strips were more conservative or, or, or liberal, depending on which paper it was. Well, the comic, that's a good, uh, good observation. The comic strips today are blatantly political yes. and partisan. Uh, in the past, when I think about uh, Kelly and his Pogo and uh, Little Abner, they, Oh, guess what? They clearly were political satire, yeah. caricature. But it was funny, yeah, and clever, yeah, and not just a, a slap at the other other side. Guess what? What? Did I guess it? When does Friday? What day does Friday the thirteenth come on th this month? Uh, it, Friday the thirteenth. Uh huh. It probably comes on Friday. It does come on Friday, which is rare. Most of the months, it comes on one of the other days. Uh huh. I can remember when Cherchez FM. Churchy, yeah, uh, pulled out the calendar for next year and found out there were like eight Friday the thirteenth in one year. I wonder about twenty twenty. I didn't check that, but there may be maybe it, something going on there. Can you still sue if your character, you yourself, say if Greg Tucker and somebody uses you uh, in a cartoon in a, a very negative way? Can you still sue? Because uh, our favorite little Abner. Uh, the the uh, writer of Little Abner was sued, and it broke him down. If you're a public person, and anybody who runs for public office, yeah. public person, very unlikely that you could prevail on satire, caricature, and even just out-and-out <laughs> lies, uh, because you know, it's wide open season on public persons. Yeah. Walt Kelly, who did Pogo, once observed that uh, he never was sued or even threatened because... His were always animals, and in particular, his example was his Nixon caricature. Mm -hmm. It was a spider. Yeah. And he says, "You think a president wants to call up and say that spider? That's me. I'm going." <laughs> you know, they didn't want to admit it. My favorite was his uh, bobcat, who was obviously the uh, uh, witch hunter. Yeah, I, mean, I was having a hard time bringing that one up. <laughs> But that, I, I would, uh, there are cer certain, I think the only reason to buy a newspaper anymore would be the comic strip. Because I can relate to those particular characters. Um, uh, Arlo and Janice. Excellent. I'm sure you, yeah, I'm sure you can relate to that one. That one will almost make you cry sometimes because it's so true to life yeah. in a humorous way. Yeah, you can relate it to, say, your own marriage a lot of times yep. because uh, it's, uh, it's amazing how they create all those particular uh, characters. And what's the one, Dilbert, the, the uh, uh, tech guy? Yeah, now, the engineer. Yeah, the engineer. He, he's amazing. And I can actually relate to him, and I have no relations oh, well, to tech. My son, my younger son's an engineer, and I think that's his favorite. Yeah. 
uh, what do they call the the confined areas that they make in the the cubicles cubicles yeah, yeah. it's a cubicle <laughs> stories so. yeah I think we've run out of time what do you think they deserve a break yeah we have we have uh, we have things to do today I have a special day today must relate to your birthday I can't imagine what yeah, else it does alright guys we will see you in the morning at 9 from NHC's Adams Place home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard it's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.